I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Hi, Emmanuel. Thanks for having me here to preach. Uh, it's really good, real honour to be able to just bring the word of God to you. Um, and especially on this theme, I was invited to come and pick a psalm, a favourite psalm. I don't know if it's my favourite psalm, but I think it's definitely my favourite theme um, of just God as our helper, God being our strength, our refuge. If you read through the psalms, you come up against that language again and again. Um, and today I really want to just talk about how God helps us. Um, and it actually caused me to remember uh, a time about 10 years ago, um, I was younger and fitter and I was training for a triathlon and I was, went to the beach for the day and uh, decided to try and sneak in a little swim um, whilst I was there. So as <clears throat> with my family and I kind of put my goggles on, put my hat on um, and just about to get into the water and I saw uh, a kid that was playing in the water, his inflatable dinghy or something got blown away and started getting blown out to sea. So I thought, well, I'm going in anyway. I'm going to go for a bit of a swim. I'll just swim out after it. Um, so I got in. I kind of said to the kid, I'll see if I can get it for you. I started swimming, um, swam for maybe, I don't know, 30 seconds, you know, head up. I was, oh, yeah, it's still quite a way away. Swam a bit more, head up. I was still quite a lot of distance, maybe even further than it was before. Swam out a bit more and I, I noticed the wind kind of pick it up and blow it. I thought, oh, I'm... I'm never going to make it. It's the wind's carried it too far. At which point I turned round to look back and see how far I'd come and realised I am a long way from the shore. I've definitely come a lot further. I was definitely kind of not wind assisted, but kind of wave assisted in getting out. Um, and so I turned round, <clears throat> started swimming back in, swam for 30 seconds or a minute, looked up and realised, ah, oh, that's funny because... The shore looks as far away now as it did before I just did all that swimming. So head down, went again, swimming for a couple of minutes, putting in a shift, head up, looked. Oh, that's interesting that the shore still looks the same distance away now as it did before. And I just had this realisation, basically, I am, I am swimming against the tide, the flow. I'm kind of having to, I'm having to work pretty hard and it's not easy swimming in the sea. I'm sure some of you are sea swimmers. And, and I'm not getting anywhere. And I'm getting tired. And I was swimming for a few minutes. I was on my back for a bit. I went a bit longer. And I just basically realised, I think I'm actually in trouble here. <clears throat> and what happened at that point was just really, really interesting in terms of just what we're going to look at today. I, I could tell in my heart that there was just this very strong reluctance to ask for help. There was no one there. There was no lifeguard or other swimmers or anything else. That, the only place I could look for help was God. Uh, the only thing I could do was pray. And yet, even though there was no one else 
looking on to see my vulnerability, I could just tell inwardly I felt like I don't want to pray. I don't want to ask for help. I don't want to be that guy who went out further than he can handle. I want to solve this problem myself. Uh, and so I kept swimming and kept trying and, and genuinely just felt like I started to realise I'm in, in a bit of trouble here. Um, and eventually I succumbed uh, and, and just prayed and said, Lord, I think I might need your help. <laughs> uh, and, and Lord, I, I'm getting tired. I'm not panicking too much yet, but I need your help getting in. And after a few more shifts, I started to realise that I was actually making some progress. Made it back to the shore, at which point as I kind of stood up and walked in, I realised there was a whole crowd of people who had gathered on the beach because they'd seen me swimming, trying to get in. There was a lifeguard there. He'd called out the Coast Guard uh, and, you know, it was all a little bit embarrassing. But I did make it back in um, and hence I'm here. Um, but I guess it's always stuck in my mind as just an indication of how hard we sometimes find it just to ask for help, how there's something kind of hardwired into our systems that wants to look to ourselves to provide the answers that we need rather than either to look to others or particularly just to look up to the Lord for his help. And that is kind of what this psalm is all about. And I just want to spend a bit of time looking at it um, just with these three questions, I guess, three headings really, who, when and how, just to kind of get into the psalm and allow it to speak into our hearts. So the first one is who? Who is it in this psalm that we're looking to for help? Well, the psalmist writes, my help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. And the Lord is, is one of those times it's, it's written in capital letters, the whole thing, Lord, which means it's referring in, in Hebrew, it's Yahweh. It's the name that God gave to Moses when Moses said, who shall I say is, who are you? Who shall I say is speaking to this people Israel? And God said, I am who I am. It's the covenant name of God. So when the psalmist here writes, my help comes from the Lord, what he's doing is he's actually reminding himself and anyone who reads it, sings it, listens to it, that our helper is not just some abstract idea of God. It's the God who revealed himself. It's the God who revealed himself as I am who I am. It that speaks of his eternal nature. It speaks of his complete self-sufficiency. I am who I am. He doesn't need anyone else to tell him who he is, to help him be who he is. He just is who he is. He's completely self-sufficient. And that name speaks of his relationship to his people, Israel. He's the covenant God. He's the one that came to them and claimed them as his own and said, I will be your God and you will be my people. He entered into this covenant, this arrangement, this promise that he would look after them and own them and they would belong to him. So when the psalmist writes, my help comes from the Lord, that's, that's who he's thinking of, the God who's eternal, self-sufficient, completely powerful and yet has come to make himself known to a people and pledged himself to them. He says that that's who my help comes from. And then he says the one who made the heavens and the earth. That's the other thing that 
we need to remember about this God. And it's kind of interesting in this psalm because this, the psalm starts with this famous line, I, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? And it's kind of an interesting phrase. It's not actually totally clear what he has in mind, I don't think, when he says he lifts his eyes to the hills. It, it could just be that hills represented high places and in the, the mindset of the writer, the high places were, were places that were, were closer to the heavens, close to God, places you would go to meet God. It could just be that. Uh, it could just be that the psalm was written as a, uh, like a pilgrim psalm, written as people would travel, journey to Jerusalem, and they'd be walking through the hills as they approached Jerusalem. It, some people even think it could be a negative thing, that the hills actually represent danger. You can't see what's behind them. Uh, but when you read that, that line later in verse 2, that my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, you realise it, it doesn't really matter. I lift, I lift my eyes to the hills. The hills are one thing. They're, they're big, yeah. But my God made the heavens and the earth. He's the creator of not just hills and not just mountains or even just oceans, but of the whole earth. And although they wouldn't have known it, the solar system in which it is found and the galaxy within which that is found and the whole universe of galaxies which blow our mind when we try and get our head around them. The God that we look to for help is the creator. He's the one that sparked it all into being through the power of his word and who sustains it every day. He's the one who's made himself known to us and who comes to us as our helper. He's the reason that Jesus on the night before uh, he died, before his crucifixion, he spoke to his disciples and said, it is better that I go because when I go, my father will send you another one like me. And, and, and some translations of the Bible, another helper, another sometimes comforter, counsellor, advocate or helper, another helper, God by his spirit dwelling in us, is pleased to be known, to be titled as mine and your helper. So that's who we look to. He's, he's the one that created the heavens and the earth. He's eternal and completely self-sufficient. And by his spirit, he has chosen to live within us and be known as our helper. He loves to help. He loves to resource and strengthen us in our time of need. So the who is God himself, the fullness of all that we've just been trying to describe. What about the when? The when is quite simple as well, really. It's always. Uh, you could summarise the next few verses by basically saying this God, he's a keeper, not a sleeper. It describes him. He, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. He will not let your foot be moved, it says in verse three. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He's a keeper, not a sleeper. He never rests, but he's permanently at work to support, strengthen, keep, protect his people. That's why it uses that phrase, the sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. All, all through the day, all through the waking hours, from the moment the sun rises, God is watching over you to guard you, to protect you, to look after you. And when the sun goes down and the moon is visible in the sky, 
God is working. Even if you're asleep, God is not. He is perfectly aware of you as you rest, perfectly aware of you as you work, perfectly aware of you every moment of every day. He is always working to keep and protect. And then the the psalm ends by saying the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. He's always present to help you and his promise is that he will do it forevermore. Quite literally, if you're a believer, God has pledged himself to you as your helper for all eternity. He won't stop helping in the new heavens and the new earth. He'll still be your helper. He'll still be your strength in a very different way to he, what he is now. He, but he will still be there, present, helping you, sustaining you, strengthening you, giving you all that you need. And so it's a beautiful and amazing promise that he gives to us. And uh, I don't know about you, I actually found this out just a couple of weeks ago uh, that about Big Ben, which has um, started chiming again in London. Um, and um, I discovered that the, the famous chimes of Big Ben, the kind of the, uh, da, 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 that, you know, that comes out on the hour and I think a little chime in between 50, every 15 minutes, that I discovered that the, when they were created, when they were composed, I guess, it was actually the notes were taken from Handel's Messiah. Um, and there was lyrics that go with the tune, uh, which are inscribed in the, the clock tower uh, in Big Ben. And the, the lyrics are all through this hour, Lord be my guide, that by thy power no foot shall slide. I found it quite moving to think that for hundreds of years in the capital of our nation, there's a, a bell that has been ringing out, announcing to the world all through this hour, Lord, be my guide, that by thy power no foot shall slide. It sounds very much like this psalm. Psalm, this, the verse, uh, verse three, he will not let your foot be moved. That's the prayer that Big Ben rings out all through this hour, all through this hour, all through this day, all through this week. God promises to be our help. And our prayer in response is to learn to look to him and to turn to him and and find him as our helper in our moments of need. Which kind of takes us on to the how, which I guess is the kind of the nub of it. Like you probably if you've been around church for a while you probably have an idea already that God is powerful and he's present and he's promised to protect and and be your help that may not be a new idea to you but I guess for most of us a bit like me uh, out in the sea at Canberstands uh, most of us actually find it harder to access his help than we think we might we know it's true but we forget to pray or we resist prayer or we get distracted by other things and we find that we can actually end up living our lives relatively independently of God's help and that's the way we're trained to live it's the way we're trained to think and so the question of how actually becomes quite important you might even I don't think it's actually an over exaggeration to say in a way it's the question of the Christian life how do I access God's help How does his strength and life and support and protection 
become a real dynamic in my heart so that I don't just live independently and turn up to church at the weekend. And I don't even just pray in the morning and then get on with my day, but I actually live in communion with the Lord, in fellowship with him, in friendship. I access the helper, the, the spirit of God that is within me becomes a part of my life in a, in a unique and precious way. How, how do we get there? Well, I think what I've found just reflecting on this psalm is that even that little phrase at the beginning becomes quite helpful. I lift up my eyes. It actually comes up in the scriptures quite a lot. Comes up a couple of psalms later. Um, actually comes up in the life of Jesus a few times where Jesus is praying. In John 11, when Jesus is faced with a, a tomb with his friend Lazarus in it, it says that Jesus lifted up his eyes and prayed. In John 17, when he prays the famous prayer on the night before his crucifixion, uh, the, the high priestly prayer, amazing prayer. It says, Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and prayed. Jesus himself lifted up his eyes. And in just in this tiny movement of just lifting up our eyes, it feels to me like there's something quite significant that is going on. It, it's so small that it can be even imperceptible to the people around us. And yet it's so significant that it can cause a seismic shift in the dynamics of our hearts, just to lift up our eyes to heaven, lift up our eyes to the Lord. I kind of picture it a little bit like a lever. Uh, if you can kind of imagine that our, there's this kind of dynamic that goes on in our hearts, in our lives, where uh, our eyes here, just like lifting up our eyes feels like quite a small thing, but actually something significant is happening on the inside. Here, here we are, we lift up our eyes, to the law to go up, something's happening on the inside. And that is, as we're lifting our eyes to the Lord to look to him, we're actually having to lower our faith, our expectation of ourselves, of our own ability to solve our problems, of, of, of what we can do with our resource. And it, it just strikes me that that very simple movement of just lifting our eyes what that does internally and what that does in terms of expressing our faith is, is the fundamental, foundational dynamic of the Christian life. It's the thing that happens when we become a Christian. If you're, just, if you're not a Christian and you're watching this and you're trying to work out what does it mean to be a Christian or how do I become a Christian or what does it look like to live the Christian life? Well, you're not too far from a good summary to say it means you lift your eyes to the Lord. It means you, you think less of yourself and more of him. It's like it says about John the Baptist. John the Baptist said about Jesus, I must decrease, he must increase. There's this kind of lever dynamic going on where our natural instinct is to look to ourselves, to solve our own problems. Whereas the Christian response is to recognise I need help to come from outside of myself. I need, I need heavenly help. I need divine assistance. I need him and not myself. When we think about the problem of our sin, we think we know that there's 
problems caused by our sin. There's guilt, there's shame, there's a, a break in our relationship with God. And, and our natural inclination, the natural dynamic of the human heart is to try and solve that problem ourselves. Well, I would just stop sinning then. If that's the problem, I'll just stop it. Except then, a bit like me in the ocean, after a while we realise, I'm not really getting anywhere and I'm getting more tired. And then we realise what has to happen is we need to think less of ourselves and we need to lift our eyes to him. He can deal with my sin. He, in his righteousness, in his perfection, in his perfect forgiveness, he can deal with my sin in my own strength. I can't. But if I look to him, he can. And that dynamic, which is what happens when you become a Christian, essentially, you you basically just, you look away from yourself and you look up to Christ and everything that he's done and all that he's achieved and what he has said. And you say, not me, Lord, but you. That is the, that is the, that's, what it means to become a Christian, a follower of Christ, that we're not relying on ourselves, we're looking to him instead. That instinct, that dynamic, is not just the beginning of the Christian life, it is the Christian life. It is learning, bit by bit, painfully, slowly at times, to stop trying to resource myself and to look to him. It's sometimes it's to stop looking around and look up. Sometimes it's to stop looking inside and look up. It's, it's very contradictory to the message that we hear in the world around us. We're constantly being told by this culture that we're in at the moment that the secret to finding your way in life is to look inside yourself, discover who you are. It's to Discover the true strength that lies within and that will be the secret and the source for your strength going forwards. The Christian message is almost exactly the opposite, that we look not to ourselves. When we look inside, we find all kinds of things that are going on in there. The secret to Christianity is to stop looking inside (laughs) at ourselves and it's to start looking up to him and find that there is strength and resource and that he freely gives it to us. So this lifting of the eyes, it seems to me, is the essential movement of Christianity. It's the essential dynamic that we're looking for. There's a famous old preacher called Charles Spurgeon, uh, and he used to to lead a church in central London, um, near Borough and near London Bridge, where we are about to start planting a church in September, in the next few weeks. Um, And he, it was written about him, one of his biographers said about him, it says, he was famous for preaching mainly, but someone wrote about him who knew him and said prayer was the instinct of his soul and the atmosphere of his life. I remember hearing that years ago and being inspired, thinking, oh yeah, I want that to be true of me. I want prayer to be the instinct of my soul, the reflex of my soul, that when something happens, If it's good, my instinct is thanksgiving. If it's hard, my instinct is prayer. I need help. And yet what I've noticed about myself, as illustrated in the uh, Cambersan swimming story, um, is that my instinct is not to first look to the Lord. 
Actually, if something goes on that I find troubling, what I found is my first instinct is to make sure that I look on the outside as though nothing is wrong. That's my, my personal first instinct. If something happens, it's to, to, to make sure, don't let anyone see that you might be anxious or vulnerable or troubled. That's my first instinct. And then my second instinct is to make sure that my emotions stay in check. So it's first, seal the outside so everything looks fine. Second, seal the inside. Now, what I've learned over time, slowly, is that in order to learn the instinct of prayer, in order to learn the instinct of this psalm, I lift my eyes to the Lord. He's where my help comes from. In order to learn that, I actually have to start to unlearn some of my other instincts. The the lessons that the world has taught me, my family culture has taught me, my, in, my fleshly, human, fallen instincts have taught me. In order to learn a new way, I have to actually unlearn some of these patterns. I have to learn first when something happens and it's troubling to me, I have to learn to just recognise it's okay that it's troubling. It's okay that I feel anxious. It's okay that I feel vulnerable. And even harder and even weirder, it's okay for other people to know that I might feel some of those things, that I'm not uh, without challenge and without struggle in my life. And I actually have to learn to live with my vulnerability in order to then, from that place of vulnerability, just do the essential movement of the Christian life, which is I'm lifting my eyes to you, Lord. In this moment, I'm not trying to resource myself. I'm not trying to seal the outside so no one can see in my I want my first instinct to be I'm in trouble or I am anxious or I am vulnerable Lord I'm looking away from myself and I'm looking to you you know I think it was Tim Keller quoting C.S. Lewis talked about talking about humility he said that humility is not thinking less of yourself It's thinking about yourself less. So it's not thinking I'm really rubbish and trying to kind of lower my opinion of myself. It's just being less preoccupied with myself. And the best way to be less preoccupied with yourself is to lift your eyes to the heavens and be preoccupied with the Lord, with his son, with Jesus, with the gift of his spirit, with his plans and purposes, with his word, with his beauty, with his glory, with the prospect of knowing him and being with him for all eternity, with uh, the opportunity to obey him and see his kingdom come through us in this life, with the opportunity to know him in prayer and see him answer. The, The way to take, the way to be genuinely humble is not to just try and persuade yourself that you're rubbish. It's just to not think about yourself so much. It's to lift your eyes to him. And just today, as we're kind of coming in to finish off, I guess I want to encourage you, if, if you're here and you're not a believer, and you're, or even if you're just trying to work out where you are, I just want to encourage you with this most foundational, basic, yet important idea in the Christian life, that what you need to do, what you need most in your life, is not to solve yourself, it's not to deal with your own problems, 
It's not to work harder at being a better person. It's not to turn up to church more often or make sure you sign up to the reading plan or make sure you actually complete it when you do sign up to the reading plan or not just to make sure you get to the prayer meetings. Those things are sometimes good things, but they're not ultimate. The thing that you need to do is to not look to yourself. It's to lift your eyes to the Lord and recognise he has done everything necessary. If your problem is sin, your sin, he has done already through his death and his resurrection, everything that needed to be done to solve the problem of your sin. And if you look to him, you will find forgiveness and healing come to you. And if you are already a believer and you're, you think, I know that's true of me, but I just struggle day by day with all that life seems to be throwing at me, the different challenges that I'm facing, and I, I don't seem to be able to access, access the help that God promises and that God provides for me. And I just want to encourage you to just to ask for his help in the, mo the most basic level of whatever that looks like for you. And sometimes this is the weird thing, isn't it? This is where we realise something of our weakness. I, I think, oh, I... I think to myself, whatever it is I need help with, I think, oh, I need to, you know, I need to grow in wisdom. So I need to read the Bible more. But I find I can't read the Bible more. So I need to pray that I would read the Bible more. Except the problem is I'm not very good at remembering to pray that I need to read the Bible more so that I grow in wisdom. And, and it just comes back to this. I need, I need help even in just learning to pray in this most fundamental, basic thing of Christianity that seem, is simple enough that the smallest child can do it, yet it's enough of a challenge that all of us, every single one, will find it a lifelong journey trying to grow in it. The Bible says we don't know how to pray as we should do, but the Spirit is our helper. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. He will help you. If you keep looking to him, he will help you. He's the eternal, self-sufficient, all-sufficient covenant keeping God he made the heavens and the earth and he has committed and pledged himself to being present with you as your helper and as you're watching listening to this right now he wants to help you he wants to help you pray and he wants to help answer your prayers and so I'm just going to pray very quickly for us um, and I'd love you to pray along with me Father, I thank you that you are all these things. I thank you for your goodness and your kindness and your nearness to us. And I pray for every single person listening right now, Father, that you would be our helper in this most basic thing. We would recognise I must decrease, you must increase. I can't do it on my own, but you can do it for me, through me, with me. And I, I pray, Father, for your, your help, your strength, your resource to come flooding into hearts in the name of Jesus. Amen.